if you're doing a job that makes you happy that you can pay the bills with, then that's it. You've won. You've won. The goal isn't to live forever. The goal is to create something that will. Welcome to Perspective, a podcast for wedding craves, where we sit down often with a special guest and talk about our many years of experience in the wedding industry so that you can learn from us and to help grow your wedding business. If you're an old listener of ours, you may remember Wedheads, a side project of ours where we talked live on Facebook to our friends in the wedding industry. Well, bringing a past guest back from Wedheads is Something Brewed, who, if you do remember, are not only Something Brewed, the wedding coffee bar, but they also have a shop at the lower end of Finston called Maze. We're going to be catching up with Jill and Craig because one, they are our friends, we have a long history with them, and two, because they are a slightly different wedding supplier than what we would usually get on the podcast, but we like to mix it up every once in a while. There is going to be a lot of talk about coffee. We're going to be speaking what it's like to have a cafe, to be a coffee bar at a wedding, what it's like to create a new product. But join us as we catch up with our friends on this episode of Perspective. This episode is, of course, sponsored by With Jack, but I will get onto that a little bit later in the show. However, what are we drinking, Greg? Well, again, we're all in separate locations. So Mm -hmm. here I've got a Guatemalan coffee. It's from Minroast Coffee down in Hampshire, I think they're from. So yeah, Guatemalan roasted, uh, I brewed it up on the Mocha Master and I've got a massive batch here to try and drink. So what is the Mocha Master? It's an automated drip coffee maker. So what what have you got, Simon? Well, let me, let me give you a wee hint. (laughs) (laughs) Some coins? This is me opening my... (laughs) This is me opening, sorry, I just hit the laptop. This is me opening my uh, Sleeping Lemmings export from the Wild Beer Co. Good choice. Beer. Because it's two o'clock. Get ready to pucker uh, your lips. I was going to say it's nine in the morning. Yes. So wonderful, soury, zesty, oh, deliciousness. On such a wonderful day, it's the perfect drink. Yeah, but we're all stuck but, on the uh, side. <laughs> Yeah, you know. Oh, are you in your are you in your uh, made up closet of doom? Yes. <laughs> and what's uh, what's Craig and Jill uh, drinking today? We're also drinking Guatemalan coffee. Uh, this this one's roasted from Ooh, Deer nice. Green, um, and we've made it in our espresso machine in the house, which we're pretty lucky to have all set up in the kitchen. Well, I don't know why you guys are drinking hot drinks on such a beautiful day. You guys are crazy. I thought it was a prerequisite for the show. Yeah, I didn't realise there was cold <laughs> options available. I'd have made a flat white slushy. <laughs> a flat Is that a thing? Oh, Please yeah, there's a, um, a short long black in the south side. They've got a slushy machine and they've, um, <laughs> they've, they've put some coffee and some milk inside and made, made some uh, decantable slushies. Oh my god, that sounds absolutely so delightful. Being innovative in these times. Yeah. Mm. Oh, although milky stuff in a slush puppy machine, surely that has got to be awful. <laughs> I'd imagine. Like, just the worst experience. Oh my god. I suppose uh, no worse than any other coffee-related thing. Steaming milk and that. Yeah, yeah I suppose so. Yeah. 
That's one of my worst gripes in the office is having to clean the steaming wand on the espresso mm-hmm. machine. It's like, ugh, when somebody doesn't do it right and it's all sticky. You shouldn't mm-hmm. have to clean it. That's the point. Yeah. It l- a single wipe after use. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, well, yes. Tell Suzanne Lee photography that. <laughs> <laughs> I was just about to say that. <laughs> you need to get your wand hygiene up to scratch. <laughs> Wait, wand. is that what it's called? The wand? Hmm. Because it's where all the magic happens. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's true. Is that true or is that, oh my God, right? Okay, okay. Um, Whether it's a good name for it or not, it's up to you. Well, I think it's fantastic. I would go with it. The steam one sounds like something from a drunk Harry Potter. So how how have you guys been filling your time recently? Um, Aside from coffee. it's, It's an interesting one for us. I'm sure a lot of people in the wedding industries are finding themselves with uh, not a lot of work to do right now. Um, You know, because we are completely event-based, our job is turn up to your wedding, do our job, and then leave um, in terms of, like, prep or, you know, editing or anything. We don't have that. So we're genuinely, we're out of work right now. Um, Luckily, we've managed to furlough ourselves. So we've still got some income coming in. But it's this weird um, place where we're at, where we're like a small business owner that can't work. Mm. Um, And so we've just decided to, you know, take it easy for a bit. Obviously, the first couple of weeks were pretty nice. And then we sort of shifted into a home renovation (laughs) mode after that point. All right. Um, You guys were already in that mode, were you not? Well, (laughs) we opened the shop at the exact same time as we moved into the flat and we bought a dude upper with the thought that we'll you know take our time and make it up nice but mm. then we and then we got a shop so then we had to do that instead do our uppers putting it lightly i mean this place was needing proper work from the ground up mm. uh, so actually having weeks to just spend on it it's been really amazing yeah because like you said there was there was quite a lot of work needing to be done Whole rooms, yeah, if I remember so correctly. We'd only no, really fine. done the bedroom. Um, <clears throat> so as soon as we were locked down, Jill painted the bathroom, which completely transformed it. Uh, and then we've just been taking a room at a time since then. Mm. So we're sitting in our newly, newly decorated living room right now, and it is pretty pretty nice. We've we get just, the sun all day. We just got a, a nice ladder set up for the living room that we've setups with all the plants and things on it now so it feels a bit more homely yeah, yeah very nice we've got about 40 plants from the shop in the living room as well <laughs> <laughs> now are these are these real plants or are yeah. they fake <laughs> no they're real. Oh, real okay don't laugh i've got fake plants in my house because oh, yeah. i keep killing them <laughs> i'm a murderer of plants well that's it sometimes you want plants in a room that doesn't get enough lights to allow you to have plants so mm. you need some nice fake ones to create the effect yes indeed right so for the people who listen to this podcast they know that we always do what we drink and they know that they're that they're listening to coffee enthusiasts however mm. you're like the ultimate coffee enthusiast <laughs> so for the people who out for the people out there who do drink coffee, maybe they have a grinder, maybe they've got some beans. Can you run us over the perfect pour over for people who have the equipment at home, 
or even the people who don't have the equipment at home? What, what, what do they need and how do they do it? So if you want to make some really good filter coffee in the house, um, the, there's an enormous amount of kit. There's enormous amount of um, options to create your little home setup. Um, and if you don't have any of this kit, it's really hard to know sort of where to start. Um, I would always recommend the V60, mm. um, which is a, a cone-shaped um, filter sort of apparatus mm-hmm. um, that uses paper and you put the paper in the cone and then you pop the coffee on top of the paper and then you pour water over and then it brews and filters out the bottom. And the reason I suggest that is probably because it's one of the cheapest ways to start. Um, you can pick up a plastic V60 for about a fiver and uh, get some the papers as well. You can buy them in boxes of 100. Um, and if you get the right grind size, which you can get if you ask your local coffee shop to specifically grind it for V60, or I'm pretty sure if you're buying coffee from the supermarket, the grind that they have it set at, as long as it's not an espresso, you should manage to get something relatively decent out of the grind that they have in the supermarket. Yeah. Um, I don't know if this is the forum, uh, but Jill has been talking about doing some kind of like run-throughs online, um, doing wee videos to kind of do like tuition and stuff. Like Um, home Zoom classes. All right, cool. We can Zoom together and I can. It's, It's mainly geared towards if you have like a home espresso machine. And if you've kind of been, you know, casually using it at the weekend or maybe once a day, but then obviously you're on lockdown, you're working from home, you're needing coffee more and more and more. <laughs> um, I thought it might be an idea if we could do a little Zoom and I can talk you through your home setup and help you get the best out of what it is that you have set up. Mm. Sure you could do filter as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So talking about the filter, that is exactly what I went for. I went for the plastic funnel um with the paper cones and it just goes just sits on top of my cup and i just pour um the boiling water on top of it for your beer (laughs) for for my for the uh cups the multiple cups of coffee i uh, go through in the mornings why don't you tell everyone how many subscriptions you signed up for at the start of lockdown (sighs) oh man okay so Because everyone knows that we record the podcast, usually we record the podcast in the office, in the podcast studio, and we have an espresso machine, you know, we have all the beans coming in to the coffee, so I don't really need, I didn't need nice coffee in my house. Uh, So I was just drinking instant coffee, which was a nightmare, but you know, it it did for the the weekends and stuff. However, being in lockdown, uh, I really found myself jonesing for a good cup of coffee so i bought the stuff and then i was thinking okay i actually don't have any beans but i really want some greg mentioned there were some beans in the office i couldn't go into the office yet so i ordered the blue coffee subscription which i drank on the last episode um so that comes monthly greg told me about beans ie which is a another coffee subscription that's based in ireland What's his name, Greg? Is it Mark? Yeah, I think the guy that runs it's called Mark. Really nice guy. Shout out to those guys because they are 
just lovely people. And uh, I've also got a pack. Is it pack? Packed? Sub- packed. Yeah, that's right. Subscription. And that comes monthly as well. <laughs> so... Uh, does it all come on the same day or is it spanned through the month? No, it spans throughout the month, which is nice. <laughs> However, I've gone for like fairly big packs. So in each pack, I get three bags of coffee. Mm. So, so three, three, in the mornings, nine bags of coffee a month. Well, okay. So <laughs> the, the so beans actually only gives me one, but it's always a fairly unique one. Um, but my God, a lot of coffee I'm drinking at the moment. Hence why I'm taking a break with the beer. So... Of which, of which I also bought a subscription. <laughs> <laughs> I have got, you know, I, I'm, I'm in this horrible place where I'm, I order subscriptions with the thought of cancelling them, and I know that's how they get you, but they got me. And so many people have me at this point, I'm just, I need to cancel all of them. But I'm enjoying myself. So I know you guys went on, for your, your honeymoon, you went on like a coffee tour, didn't you? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So what... Obviously, there'll be some from Glasgow, but what's your favourite coffee places or favourite city for coffee, maybe? That would be good. Well, when we went on honeymoon, we actually didn't have a plan, really. We booked a flight to Berlin and we booked a flight home from Munich a couple of weeks later. Uh, And the plan was to just rent a car and just sort of drive around wherever we fancied heading to Munich at the end. Um, so what we actually ended up doing was using a website called European Coffee Trip. All right. Um, and we've actually, the, the guys have come to pretty much every city <laughs> we can think of. Uh, they've been in Glasgow, uh, Edinburgh, and they genuinely just travel around Europe when they can, I suppose, and do blogs and little videos and things and recommend their favourite coffee shops so we basically when we hired the the car we just sort of had a look at that website where the nearest city was to where we were that we fancied going that had some decent coffee (laughs) (laughs) um i think we both sort of had different opinions on what our actual favorite favorite one was um i actually thought munich was pretty good there was a place called man versus machine Um, I know a couple of Glasgow places have had that in um, and their Kenyan was particularly good at that point in time Um, and there was another one also in Munich and I can't remember what the name of the shop was but it was a roastery as well and they had a Panama on filter and I had never tried Panama coffee before and it just blew my mind so we bought some of the Panama, brought it back to Glasgow, and it absolutely did not translate into Scottish water. Oh, no. rubbish. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, what? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, that's, that's actually really interesting. Yeah. I had never really thought about the combination of, which sounds mad, the combination of water and bean. Oh, yeah. The, that's one of the main things that we have to think about, particularly in the shop when we're buying coffee from up and down the UK. Um, obviously. Oh, yeah or beyond um but obviously the further south you go the harder the water is Mm -hmm. and so if we're getting if we're transitioning from a coffee from london to say a coffee from leeds or even a scottish producer the dial-in process between the two different coffees can be quite challenging Mm -hmm. to try and get the best out of the coffee of obviously the way that they want it to be consumed yeah am i right in saying Bear with me, because I'm not a chemist. The hardness <laughs> of the water has to do with the um, calcium in it. Is that right? Oh, from a 
from a coffee perspective, it's just the chemical compounds of what makes up the coffee. It's not even necessarily the hardness. It's just, you know, how much chloride's in it uh, and just the minerals that you can find in tap waters because roasteries, roasteries will roast to the water that they have in their local area. Mm-hmm, okay. And if it's really different to where the people that are brewing it have, then they'll need to adjust their recipes and systems to try and get the best out of it or trying to replicate what the roastery intends it to taste like. Mm-hmm. So how how are, you, how are you able to do that with a completely different water type? Because you're essentially, you're only <laughs> working with water and beans, right? Yeah. So if you're not adding anything else, how would you combat the flavor of the water we're kind of getting into a bit i'll give you a little taster for the <laughs> espresso class please do um so basically when you put coffee in an espresso machine hot water comes through the boiler um through the pump through the coffee and it gives you an espresso out at the bottom mm-hmm. there's a lot of variables that can happen within that entire system could be the grind size, could be the water temperature, could be the pressure, could be the amount of water that you put through the espresso, it could be the amount of time that it takes. Um, and so you have to create a unique recipe to each unique coffee. Mm-hmm. Because if you try and replicate a recipe with a brand new coffee using the one that you had previously, then there's no guarantee that it's going to produce the results that you want. Mm. You could get over extraction, you could get under extraction, um, which are basically flaws um, that you've created <laughs> into the espresso. That you I guess can, how you work with it is you taste it. Yeah. Because obviously what Jill's saying is these are the different things you can change to make it taste right. But mm. obviously we just have to taste it and try and tweak little things that we know we can do to see if we can get the best taste out of it. Um, the skill is knowing what you're tasting and what you're trying to achieve and what you need to do to change it to achieve uh, that that's the skill yeah do you ever get taste fatigue when you're in the middle of this process oh, yeah. right okay so you have anytime to we it. change coffee in the shop we have to taste so many and obviously like Jill was saying if if we've changed from a coffee from scandinavia to one from london it's going to be quite drastically different yeah um, and so sometimes if you've, if it's quite early in the morning and you've had about five or six espressos trying to dial it in, <laughs> you start to lose the sense of what you're trying to achieve. Yeah. And even for the next few days after we put a new coffee on, we're continually uh, monitoring it and tasting Improving it and it. Um, getting all the staff members to try it and uh, just get feedback mm-hmm. until you can sort of be sure that you've got the best out of it that you can. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I remember looking into some stuff that I saw. I think it was a Kickstarter. I love I love a Kickstarter. And it was like sachets of stuff. It was like a chemical sachet that would neutralize your water or something. But I've, I got them yeah. and I've just been too daunted to use them. It just seems a bit too <laughs> crazy. Uh, I think when you start going down that route, they're amongst the you know, the speciality coffee world, there is a sort of need for a sort of standardized water recipe, I guess. So that if you're testing coffees from around the world in a single place, obviously you're only getting the results based on the water that you're using where you're testing it. There is a sort of notion about 
should we standardize the water that we're trying to use for these results or for the roast so that we can calibrate all our information across the world. And there is movements to do that. And there are some coffee shops across the world that specifically treat their water to be of a certain quality that they've tried and tested that they believe they gets the most out of the coffee that they're trying to produce. Uh When you start to get filters and neutralizers, um, what they're trying to achieve is basically they're trying to get as close to that as possible or they're trying to um, counteract any sort of like notable um, flaws in your water to try and even it out to ultimately get the best out of the coffee. Mm-hmm. You might, if you go to any of the big coffee conventions like World of Coffee um, or even the, some of the local coffee festivals, they, they'll have water filter setups that you can actually taste the difference between like three different types of water filters that they use using the same water and you Mm. can totally taste the difference. It's quite amazing. But what that does to the coffee is obviously just up to whatever (laughs) you decide to do with it or if you agree that it is um, better or not. I guess you're still getting down to the subjective taste and preference. Mm. Yeah. Isn't I mean so this kind of sounds like to me this sounds like um, what whiskey goes through, um, not in terms of taste but rather the 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 look the uniformity that brands like to have so they add colours and stuff to it, um, and there's certain brands that like to do that and there's certain brands that are like no they're like more purist, and I think surely the the type of water. Okay, you might not have uniformity in all these places that you go to, but you've got character, even if it's flawed, you know, even if it's not the best Mm -hmm. quality or taste character the coffee could be, it's still got a character to that place Mm -hmm. and time and location. Does that ever get spoken about with coffee? Like, is that the the difference with coffee is that, um, you buy the coffee essentially raw and you have to produce the drink yourself. Yeah. With whiskey, the entire product is made in one location. And I know actually in the case of Iron Brew, there's another <laughs> um, factory in Milton Keynes and they actually ship Glasgow water to Milton Keynes so they can reproduce the recipe. Um, oh, really? With coffee is roasteries will roast for their water. Uh-huh. And if you buy the coffee, like you're saying, you're buying it from Ireland and you're bringing it to Scotland to then produce the beverage, that's the difference. Mm-hmm. You lot, the, the coffee that's roasted in the city that it's brewed in is likely going to taste the best because it's roasted for that water. Mm-hmm. But that's not saying you won't get good coffee out of it. You just have to know what you're doing. Even in the producer side of things, though, it still comes down to a subjective preference. Mm -hmm. Like, obviously, coffee's becoming more and more popular, you know, every year. I feel like there's more people taking an interest or, you know, up in their home brewing game. And there's more roasters now than there ever was. But that doesn't necessarily mean they all are trying to do the same thing. Yeah. Different reasons, I suppose, as well. Yeah, I mean, we talk about being within to the kind of speciality coffee realm, which has a set of standards, 
Um, but still within that, I mean, anyone can set up a roastery somewhat financially dependent. Uh, you know, the same way if you decided you wanted to start making whiskey, you can do whatever you like. The question on the show that we always like to ask, even though we have at this point been speaking for about 25 to 28 minutes, uh, <laughs> we're going to ask you to introduce yourselves. Who are you and what do you do? Hello, I'm Greg McIntyre. I am... Um, a Glaswegian male. Uh, <laughs> I own a couple of businesses with my wife, specifically coffee businesses. Um, we do coffee bars at weddings and we also have a wee cafe in Glasgow. That's who I am. I also play music as a hobby and I'm playing several bands and things like that. Hi, I'm Gillian. Uh, I am married to Craig. What do I do? I do a whole bunch of stuff. Predominantly coordinating things. <laughs> um, like he said, we have two businesses. One's an event-based business and one's a coffee shop. Obviously, they're marginally similar to each other, but they're also completely different. The shop has a lot of other elements to it. Like we have a bakery and we do wholesale. Um, and the event side also do things like brace the training and um, you know, mentorship and things like that. So I'm a sort of all-rounder in terms of coffee business sort of thing. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure people understood that you're kind of, you're in the world of coffee with the previous chat, but I always like to ask the question <laughs> to see how people <laughs> attack it. Uh, I, I got to ask though, how did, well, how, how did you both get into coffee? Uh, I... Uh, I always worked in cafes. I mean, I, I think the earliest maybe job I had when I was like 17, I always worked in cafes to help me to have a kind of music career, I suppose. I was always playing in bands and touring and I used to teach guitar, but I would always kind of supplement my income working in cafes. Mm -hmm. um, I've always been a kind of foodie and really been into coffee. And I guess it just, it just grew from there. And I had never really had a coffee until I met Craig. So you really? could say it's all his fault. Yeah. Holy shit. <laughs> my f like one of my first jobs was like working in a kiosk in a local like park. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so um, like I'd made Bovril and stuff like that using the hot water. <laughs> um, and then when we met Craig, I remember he took me to this coffee shop and I got a hot chocolate. And we showed off. And they had this latte art that was like a fern on the top. And I was like, wow, this guy knows so much stuff to bring me to this cafe. I was so impressed. And I was just like, wow, how can you draw a little picture on the top of a coffee? And I think from that point, I sort of was interested and we would go on dates to cafes and go for coffees and stuff together. Um, and then fast forward a good few years after uni and going to doing a master's and trying to have a career in something else, um, which I wasn't enjoying. I thought, I'll just come and work in a cafe until I figure out what I want to do next. And then it just kind of grew from there. I think once you realize that when you're quite satisfied with working in a cafe, serving people, chatting to people every day, producing things that you're proud of, I realized, well, this could be a career. Let's see where this goes. Mm. And then started working for slightly better 
coffee companies, building up my managerial skills, and then ultimately started our own business yeah. um, a few years later. Yeah, cool. I don't think either of us grew up with a sense that there could be a career in the hospitality industry. And I think that's maybe part of the society's problem. Um, <laughs> you know, it's always seen as a kind of part-time job to see you through uni. Yeah. Uh, whereas actually it, we found it's something that we're really good at. Mm. And we really enjoy it. <laughs> that's the thing. Like, There's absolutely nothing wrong with enjoying working in a restaurant, working in a cafe, working in a shop. Um, if you enjoy it, then then do it. Sometimes the rat race and these bigger careers are not really worth it. I, uh, I actually, I, I, well, I didn't really know Craig's past with how we got into coffee, but I kind of knew yours, Jill, because, and f- for people who used to watch us when we did our uh, Wedheads Facebook Live, they'll already know you guys, and we might have spoken about this in the past, but um, we already knew you before you got into coffee mm. um yeah because you you did sound you were an, yeah. an audio engineer on <laughs> something a, like that <laughs> on a very similar path to greg and i yeah mm-hmm. uh, now am i right in saying you said we studied in the same place mm-hmm. yeah which was west scotland actually you, craig did as well he did the commercial music course. We did oh, music. Oh, technology. really? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Oh, Apparently, me and Joe were in the same class for certain things and we never met. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Were you guys the year below us or? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that, so we didn't actually know you until we worked on a feature film. Mm-hmm. Now, we'll, we'll speak about this because I find that hilarious <laughs> now. Uh, how many years later? Ten years later? <laughs> it's got to be oh, more than it has that. Been more than that. It's got to be more than that. Yeah. So, for people who don't know, that Greg and I, our first foray as a business, other than like small music videos, was working on a feature film in Glasgow called Night Is Day. Now, we'll link it to the show notes. Although no, we, we will not. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you should even mention the name of it, just say a feature film. I was going to say, is this now the podcast for the next hour? <laughs> no, no, absolutely not. I think There's we, enough stories. Look, I think I think we should put it in the podcast notes because we find it very hilarious and that we were a part of this. And this is kind of the reason we became friends, actually. That's true. It's important. Yeah, it is important. Although we have very much distanced ourselves from the calamity that was Night is Day. <laughs> but it was a good experience. But Jill, you went on to do more audio engineering stuff. Am I right? Yes. Yes. So, so after after uni, um, after fourth year, um, I went and did. Well, th- was it between third and fourth year when I met you that summer? I think it must have been. Yeah, you had already, yeah. or you were working on your masters. Yeah, maybe I was working on my masters. Anyway, it was around that time. Um, after that summer. I went to art school, got a master's in uh, sound design um, mm. or audio for, what was it called? Sound, sound for, for the, the moving image. image. Um, because obviously I wanted to follow a career in um, post-production and location sound um, did my master's. And then just through people that I met through uni uh, interviews and things like that, uh, managed to bag a wee job um, with a sound recordist doing a a feature film, another feature film um, in Scotland. And then after that, just sort of one thing led to another and 
uh, ended up being a sound assistant for a couple of years uh, around the country, working freelance for different recording, uh, sound recordists and production companies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because what, like, so after Night is Day, well, we, we, we spent loads of time as a group. You did go off and I felt like we didn't see you for ages. <laughs> and then you came back and you were just kind of jaded and sad. Oh, yeah. Actually, to be honest, it wasn't the work at all. Like, I absolutely love being a sound assistant, working on set. I absolutely love working in film and TV. The trouble was being in the sound department quite a lot of the time, you have to be outside. And even if you're filming inside, sometimes they just fling the sound department out in the back garden and... I'm quite a cold person and I was this country is not warm. <laughs> no. And I, I was in Manchester filming a, a Channel 4 a drama and it was April. So it wasn't even like the depth of winter. It was April. It was a crazy snowstorm and I was wearing double thermals and the other thing it was a period drama and so it was all barns and sheds and you know little cottages no central heating and so for four months I had it was just freezing the whole time and there was just this atrocious snowstorm this one this one time mm. and I remember just being like what am I doing like I hate this I'm winding these cables I'm wet I'm freezing and I, and I just want to be inside. That's all I want to do. And when we when we were filming, you know, as the sort of third um, crew member, I was always going off to get coffees for the team. And so if we went to the coffee shop, I find myself chatting to the person working in the coffee shop. I was more excited about that than I was going back <laughs> to then like be freezing and drink the coffee. And so it just got to the point, everything just got too much. And I'd been away from home for so long that I was just like, oh, I'm done when I'm finished with this project. I just want to come back to Glasgow, figure out what I want to do. And so, yeah, I just got a job in a little cafe until I figured it out. And then fast forward six, seven, eight years, here we are. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I find that so funny that you are cold. So you've literally moved from outside being cold to making hot drinks inside. Yeah. <laughs> Like. <laughs> Although we do find ourselves working at events when we're outdoors and we do start questioning it again. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but I think yeah. you, you might need that contrast to appreciate when you are, you know, in the shop or in a gorgeous wedding venue mm. <laughs> having a nice time. Yeah, yeah that's true. Yeah. So obviously uh-huh. you came back to Glasgow, you started working in cough shops and we're going to talk more about how something brewed came about. So, but you'll maybe have to touch on it, but how did, what was your journey to opening your own place? There's a whole raft of things, I guess. It's hard to kind of think of where it all began, but I guess between Jill becoming disillusioned with sound and needing something to do, and then I, I, if we're going to talk about the weddings later, I guess it became more and more of a good idea to have a base, um, to have somewhere that you can kind of work from. And obviously working in the coffee industry, cafes are pretty commonplace. Um, we knew from coffee trips and from being interested what we want from a cafe as well. So I think there was a sense of wanting to create what we would want from a place. Um, and also working in the wedding industry, it was nice to have somewhere to invite couples to chat and, sometimes 
folk discovered that we could do wedding uh, coffee bars for them through coming to the cafe as well. So I guess that's, we, we it kind of all happened organically. We ended up working as a group of uh, different businesses within a cafe called The Cran in the West End, yep. Glasgow. And we were just kind of taking care of the coffee side of things there. And then I think we realised that we actually benefited quite a lot from having a, a shop. So we decided why not to open our own. So we opened May's two summers ago. Yeah, July 18 mm-hmm. Yeah, is when we opened. So coming up, coming up for two years. Um, and it's been great. Um, since we've opened Maze, we've obviously managed to grow the coffee side of the business quite a lot. We've started using a lot of coffees from around the the country and making friends up and down the country, which is a sort of unique uh, element. You know, we could go to any city in the UK, hit up a coffee shop, and you know, we'd know someone there at least, yeah. uh, which is quite special. And then we also started we had an amazing um friend who opened the shop with us tom and he's a fantastic baker so we sort of opened a sort of mini bakery you know just to sort of bake cakes and, and things for the shop um and that sort of started to take off and grow more than we ever thought it would and we're now at the point where we've we've now done two wedding cakes as well so we'll do cake and coffee at weddings very cool and we've we've been booked specifically um just to do someone's cake as well i think the the point of that is that we're an entirely vegan bakery so we have no eggs or dairy in any of our baking and so for sort of like usp having a sort of vegan cake table you know, no, we're we're not cake decorators, so we're not doing these like incredible elaborate um, sculptures. But we'll certainly set you up a table of like little biscuits and brownies uh, and some nice sponge cakes as well to sort of decorate as a table. Yeah, mm. again, that all happened exciting. organically. Like we we offered cakes because Tom was really keen and was baking a lot with us. We had a sense of what we wanted to serve, and it just built up. You know, people kept asking for them you know, can you do this for my son's birthday? You can, you know, and eventually thought, gosh, people really want these. Why not offer them for weddings? Um, and it was really easy for us to, obviously we're taking the coffee bar with us. It doesn't, there's no huge problem with just taking a few crates of cakes with us as well and having that set up at the same time. Mm. Yeah, that's cool. In fact, I, I do remember popping into the shop quite often. So for, uh, for anyone who doesn't know, Maze is based in Glasgow at the bottom end of Finiston Street. Is that what it's called? Finiston Street? Yeah. Uh, oh, well, sorry, Argyle, Argyle Street. Street, Street. <laughs> Finiston, Argyle Street. It's, it's on the junction of Finiston Street and Argyle Street. Yes. Is that the pedestrian crossing? Yeah. There? Yeah, Greg. <laughs> shop. Yeah. <laughs> well, we are on Argyle Street. Yes. Um... It's a fantastic little uh, shop, like uh, Jill and Craig said, it's vegan friendly. Um, but yeah, I remember going in and seeing Tom covered in flour or covered in whatever he was baking that day. Um, whatever he was covering himself in. Like. <laughs> whatever he was covering himself in that day. Um, if not that, then bike oil. Because he was yeah, trying to <laughs> get his bike license. But yeah, I, I have that very vivid memory of him just covered in food. Yeah, it was good. Yeah. <laughs> it was good fun. Lovely. Yeah, it, yeah it absolutely. Looks, it, and actually, Tom has just left us. Um, what? 
and move. Yeah. yeah, Tom and his longtime partner, Jess. Um, it's a really nice story, actually, because we met them basically when they just moved to Glasgow. They're both from down south. And, you know, they were needing stuff to do up here while Jess was getting her degree. Yeah. Um, Tom ended up helping manage the crayon with Jill. Um, and then he just kind of said, oh, by the way, I bake. And then we didn't realize he meant he's absolutely incredible. <laughs> um, he also like helped build the shop with us. Him and Jill are really handy. So they built the bar and uh, everything together. Um, but yeah, so Jess and Tom got engaged and Tom's just got a, uh, rather Jess just got her dream job in Sheffield. So oh, really? just, yeah. so they literally moved the week we closed the shop. Yeah. It oh. also happened at the same time. Because we were like, what are we going to do without Tom for the longest time? And then now, obviously, Tom's last day was the last day we were open. And then once we reopen again, we'll have to start again without him, unfortunately. Oh, that's made me really sad because I didn't get to say goodbye to him. I think he'll be up a lot. Really, right? Got to say goodbye to anyone, really. It just okay. It all happened. Well, I hope he'll come back. I know he's such a lovely guy. I used to go climbing with him. Oh, I went climbing with him once, but. Still used to. Yeah, still used to. And Jess as well, I thought, uh, yeah, because she was working. Yeah, she worked with us for, she for was a while. Working, That's true. Yeah, and then she left and went to do video. She mm-hmm. does like, yeah, video editing and stuff. Yeah. Um, so she was working at Kelvin Hall in some project, but it was our contract show was new, came to an end. Mm-hmm. So she was looking for jobs really all over the country. Yeah. So. Sheffield's quite good for them. They're, Tom's originally from Hull and Jess is from Huddersfield. So general Yorkshire yes. is their kind of neck of the woods. Yes, indeed. Um, yeah, so I've got to ask, what what inspired you guys to open Maze? Like, was this always a, a dream of yours to have your own place? I can probably not. answer that better than Jill because I don't think Jill uh, can get as much perspective because I'm watching Jill's life play out, if you know what I mean. <laughs> we all are. <laughs> um, but Jill worked in Avenue Coffee for a number of years, yep. which is probably, you guys frequented there. I do, yes. Um, and so I think going from the kind of the cafe job she got after film to Avenue was more like a, a dedicated, like I'm wanting to learn about coffee, I'm wanting to learn more about service and the whole the whole industry itself. Um and so that was really where Jill kind of learned that she was really good at kind of supervising and managing cafes and staff. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that from that, we've obviously made a lot of the contacts in Glasgow that we have in coffee. Um, and I think it just, you, you realize how everything you would do right and, and what you would do differently <laughs> if you had your own place. Um, well, so you're opening your own place. What on earth is that like? Like, what challenges did you face opening your own shop? We haven't stopped having challenges. (laughs) (laughs) We're we're currently in a challenge. Um, I don't know. I think I'm I'm the kind of person that, you know, I'm a heavy risk assessor and I won't get involved in something unless I think there's a chance that it's going to work, I suppose. There was... The way that it all came around with having the events company first, then transitioning into a sort of collective of businesses, it almost allowed us to build up our own reputation. 
you know, get some equipment behind us, certainly make some contacts so that when we sort of opened May's, we already had so much under our belts that it felt, you know, right to do that. Mm-hmm. It didn't seem like a big a jump, a big stretch. Yeah. We'd almost had a trial run in the Cran. Yeah. Um, We'd always, we always opened it in the proviso that Mays was going to be the shop front for the events company. And so if it was ever anything more than that, then it was a bonus. And I suppose as the, you know, I never necessarily set out for it to be anything other than that, but we take um, opportunities as they come to us. And so exploring the bakery side a bit more, doing wholesale and really ramping up the event side uh, using the brand maze as well as something rude. Um, We've sort of just explored avenues as they've come up. Uh, The biggest challenges, I suppose, just trying not to compare yourself to people all the time. I think when I first started, um, I was really aware of what was going on in the city. I knew what I liked about everything. I knew what kind of vibe we were trying to go for. Um, But there was always an element of actually, is it good enough to be in Glasgow and, you know, compete with these incredible shops that we already have? I think for me, having a like personal um, challenge, that's been one of the most amazing journeys, but mm-hmm. probably most difficult. I think social media gives us a direct link to our customers, which is amazing. And we really engage with our customers uh, quite well. But the other issue is that you're constantly seeing what everybody else in your industry is up to. Um, yeah. And it's hard not to compare so yeah, yeah, it can be tough to kind of try and forge your own path sometimes. I think that totally... A- after two years now, I think there's certainly like a level of confidence that we are happy with what we're producing. We have incredible customers that will support us, um, that we can pay our bills and, uh, you know, allow our staff to have some freedom and what that they get to do and just enjoy work. Because if you don't enjoy it, then what's the point? Yeah. And I think that's our goal now is just to, to keep that going. Yeah. And I think that totally correlates with mm. like the wedding photography industry. Like it's a saturated industry. Mm. So like mm-hmm. with you guys, there's loads of cafes already there. What's, is there space for you? But there's always space for your take on an industry or on a market. And the comparison sure. thing as well, like... People follow so many other photographers. They're looking at them going, oh, they're so good. I should be doing that as well. But really, you should just be focusing on what's true to them and their sort of customers. Yeah. Yeah. If you're doing a job that makes you happy that you can pay the bills with, then that's it. You've won. You've won. Yeah, totally. Plus, like you said, we wouldn't have any customers if we weren't doing something that those people obviously thought, okay, this is where I want to go. You know, this is either the the kind of atmosphere I want in a cafe or the product I want to eat or drink. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so I think we have actually done something, you know, unique with Maze. Something you said uh, about comparing yourself with others reminds me of a video that I just watched. I think Joni De Silver, who's another wedding 
photographer. I just saw you like that, yeah. Yeah, it was a, a video called Jess the Rocks, and he made a video titled like how how comparison prevents creative genius. It was kind of talking yeah. about that, uh, and I found it really interesting because I I am really bad for um, comparing what I'm doing with other people's and you know doing that. So yeah, if you're kind of in the same mindset, I would totally go and check that out. Yeah. We'll um, link in the show. I notes. think it's we'll put it's a tough balance between being like self-critical, but in a positive way, like just you know actually having high standards and wanting to do something to the best. And obviously to have your own unique take on it and mm. to do, you know, something that's yourself. There's there's like a hard kind of balance there when you obviously do have a standard based on stuff that you've already experienced, you know, whether it's a coffee or a song that you're trying to write or a photo you're trying to take. You have your preference and your taste based on all the stuff that you've experienced. Mm-hmm. It's hard not to then continually compare your own work with that. Yes. Um, no matter what that is. Mm. And I mean, I think it's there's a kind of healthy and unhealthy part of that, I think. We're obviously about to move on to Something Brewed, which is your wedding business. But why, when you mm. opened the shop, did you not stick with the same name? Because Something Brewed was specifically a wedding brand, mm-hmm. like something borrowed, something brewed. We didn't necessarily think that translated to a shop. Okay. That coupled with the fact that the unique thing about the shop was the exclusively vegan bakery, not the fact that we had an an events company. I think it was just, there was... I think something brewed, we always wanted to keep it as a wedding um, service because through our own research of trying to get a coffee bar for our own wedding, we realised that all the options that were out there were and weddings and we wanted to be weddings and yeah or even just weddings full stop yeah and so to separate maize from something brewed meant that we were able to keep the integrity of that as a wedding brand Mm -hmm. um but what's interesting is that when we go to weddings people always ask oh do you have a shop and it almost legitimizes it by having a shop whereas before we had before we had the coffee shop, they would say, oh, do you have a shop? And we'd say, no, no, we're just an events business. And they'd be like, oh, right, okay. And then now we when we say we've got a shop, they're like, oh, wow, we'll be in. Fantastic. I think because we think it's more impressive having a events company, but people yeah. seem to be really excited when we have a shop. Yeah. I wonder what it is about that. Is it the stability of something? You're just, you're... Yeah, I guess, yeah. Having a home as opposed to just being transient. I don't know. With Jack was designed from the ground up and is tailored specifically for creatives. Whether you provide a service like design, development or photography or offer advice to clients, With Jack is for you. It's focused on creatives. Insurance shouldn't be complicated, so With Jack has made every step easy. You'll deal with one form and talk to one Jack as you sign up, get covered and move on with your day. With Jack is all about bespoke insurance for creatives. Simple. That doesn't mean more forms or faff, it means less. It's not about endless features and stale service. It's about one solid policy and the personal touch. Bye-bye, unnecessary fuss, hello, creative-friendly insurance. Be a confident creative. As I've gone through this, I have no idea why I've written our 
pre-show notes this way about I don't know why I asked you about the shop first and then something brewed like, obviously, <laughs> yeah you made it complicated <laughs> yeah something brewed came first I have no idea why I did that so um, I apologise for that but yes something brewed did come first now what inspired you to create something brewed well I, I guess there's there's two sides to this story there's one us just being really into coffees and I think we should maybe add that that's we're both not big alcohol drinkers mm-hmm. um, and I think obviously going out a lot together when we were dating and things like that that was quite good that we shared that because we went to like cafes a lot and did things like that as opposed to going to pubs a lot I suppose yeah. so anyway when we're getting married it just seemed like an obvious thing that we should have a coffee thing uh-huh. um, and uh, we weren't really aware of what you could and couldn't get for weddings, but I think actually it was the wedding collective was one of the earliest things we saw and kind of thought, oh gosh, there is more than you could ever think uh, <laughs> that you can have at your wedding. But weirdly, we couldn't find any coffee things that seemed like a kind of wedding business and they knew, you know, basically what we were thinking in our heads, like yeah. didn't exist. If, you, if you're used to drinking amazing coffee all day, every day in your regular life, why would you choose to drink rubbish coffee on your wedding day? And when you say a rubbish coffee, we're not even talking like a crap cappuccino. Like it's generally like instant coffee or really bad filter yeah. at weddings. Mm. And we appreciate that, you know, doing it specifically for a job, like that's quite a difficult thing to produce just on the side, like for a venue to have someone that just mans a coffee machine for a couple of hours. That's, uh, it's not really going to happen. So, um, yeah, it just we noticed that it didn't exist. We kind of worked out why and thought, well, we could do this. Yeah. So originally started it only, well, the idea came around for our own wedding. And obviously the two of you were there. Mm-hmm. Yes. You experienced the coffee bar in its very first iteration where I got some uh, some of my colleagues that I was working with at the time, they they worked on the bar for us so that we, <laughs> we were able to <laughs> get some fantastic coffees. Um, and then we just sort of realized that it was great and we loved it and the feedback was fantastic. So we just sort of thought, I wonder if anyone else wants that. Um, Never expecting it to become a job. Mm. I just thought, you know, I've always worked multiple kind of hospitality jobs to enable me to play music. And so I had never really expected to do anything else. Uh, uh, and this was just another thing to this add. This was just like, yeah, this is fun. We we'll can do, do it together. sometimes. <laughs> That'll be nice. Yeah. I think we like the idea of working together as well, uh, seeing each other a bit more, mm-hmm. you know, that compared to when Joe used to be away for six months at a time doing jobs. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So it was all towards a kind of lifestyle thing, I suppose. Mm-hmm. And But it just exploded. My My memory is kind of hazy here. Um, but we were like, this is years ago when we started to do wedding fairs Now we don't, we don't uh-huh. do that many of them, but our, what we wanted to achieve back then was okay. We wanted to create a stall that was kind of stand out, but we also wanted to have an excuse for people to walk over to us mm-hmm. and chat because you know, previous iterations of a stall, people feel a bit uh, funny walking up and just staring at a TV. (laughs) And because uh, film is not a tangible thing you can hold, more so it's something you experience. People didn't want to put themselves forward. So we brought Jill along one time 
to take up half of our stall so that you could make coffees. Yeah. Was this before something brewed or was this after? Well, I can't. Yeah, this was it. So you'd asked to come, (laughs) you'd asked me to come along and do some hand brew filter coffees, which I thought was an amazing idea because I wasn't even engaged at that point. And I knew you guys had done wedding films. Um, had I worked with you at that point as well? I think was third shooter on you at that point as well. You, yeah, you had actually filmed with us a few times, yeah. Way, way, way long ago. Holy shit, um, I had completely forgotten about that. Yeah. Oh my God. I know. You're a well, third shooter. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. God, see, Remember, I'm totally we went, hazy. Where did we go? We went to Butte. Yep. And we filmed at Mount Stewart. Um, oh God, yes. Mount Stewart. Um, I'm sure Simon. there was another I one. I know, how, how shocking is that? Anyway, it's the beer I've just had. So it made sense because if some if, if, a, if a couple had ended up talking to me in any way about your business, I had some knowledge about it. Yeah. <laughs> mm. I could help uh, bolster your business bookings. and your bookings. <laughs> um, and so I brought my wee coffee gear along, um, fully expecting just to like have a really nice time and hang out and meet um, all the wedding collective folk, and which of some of them I, I knew anyway as well. Um, and then it kind of, I don't know if it was unfortunate for you, but what seemed to happen from my perspective is the people were coming over oh wow what's this coffee and I'll be like yeah of course here you are um I think I'd stamped some cups with your branding as well Mm -hmm. um you know to help the situation and people just ended up talking to me and saying oh wow this is fantastic do you do this for weddings I was like no no I'm just here for you know to help Simon and Greg out and then after a while the more people that asked I was just like oh yeah this is a thing. This is totally a thing. And it being at the wedding collective market, it almost seemed like I was there exhibiting. <laughs> yeah. And so I think that's what placed the idea in our heads that it was a feasible option to have at a wedding. And then I think it was shortly after that. Were we engaged at that point? We must have been engaged at that point. You must have come home from that wedding fair saying, listen, this is a good idea because people wanted to hire yeah. me there and then mm-hmm. we obviously then looked into if we could hire something like that for our wedding mm-hmm. and it didn't exist and i think we had we got the first espresso machine at that no. point we must have bought it after so i that. think yeah it was after that we sort of realized oh maybe we could start looking into this and we started you know saving some money and gathering our first bits of gear some proper grinders and uh sort of ha- not a, not a high-end home machine but like a sort of medium professional small machine um and we thought we'll start with that um and so we we just built the bar with my dad in my garage my <laughs> mum dad's garage my 80 year old dad Your built her old dad that's amazing yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah i had we sort of had this idea and we sort of whipped it up um, and it looked amazing. And so we thought, well, we're, do- we're going to do it. And so we did. And then that was that. Yeah. And then shortly after our own wedding, we joined the wedding collective. And the rest is history, yeah. I suppose. So <laughs> yeah. That's... We joined the wedding collective. And the next morning, we got a booking. <laughs> we got <laughs> yeah. our first inquiry. Yeah, like, straight away. Good. 
So, uh, remind, like, this was a while ago. Like, I know I'm forgetful, our listeners will know that, but, like, um, what year was this? Was this 2015? Uh, 15. Right, yeah. okay, yeah, so. So we got married at the start of 2016. Um, yes, that's right. And we were sort of working towards that from about August-ish mm. time. And I remember, I remember being at your wedding because it was actually our company that still filmed your wedding it was just uh, <laughs> other shooters. Oh, that's true. Um, so you've actually got one of our wedding films, which is cool. <laughs> um, yeah. But I remember that experience of being at the coffee bar because it's not something like this product did not exist back then. No. There was no coffee carts. It was not a thing. There sort of was, but they were very corporate and they were very like, here's an enormous espresso machine with a guy that's been hired to make coffees for you with coffee that they've, you know, bought from Booker. Mm -hmm. I think personally, there was no, there was no thought put into the fact that this is going to be at a wedding. Should this look a certain way? Should the service be a certain way? Whereas I think we really sat down and thought, how would this work for weddings? Mm -hmm. And being able to try it out at our own wedding as well, yeah, we could very quickly get a sense of what people were missing. Yeah, um, and it's it's the the experience that you actually gave your guests was was quite something because you know obviously you you mentioned you didn't drink much and there was alcohol at your wedding, am I right? There was. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but I do remember. That's spending, why you can't remember. <laughs> well, I don't know. I think I was uh, on a caffeine comatose the day after. But, uh, well, every photograph of the wedding bar, you're in front of it. <laughs> I, that's because I spent so much time there. It's amazing. It's not just coffee that you're getting at, at, like with a service like yours. It is totally the experience of one. If you're waiting for a coffee, you're waiting in the queue. You get to uh-huh. chat to someone who you don't know. And they're kind of like, oh, I don't know what to expect because I've not seen this product before. So you're kind of chatting and you're like, oh, well, what's going to happen here? And then you actually get to talk to the barista and they are running through all of the the craft behind making the coffee as well as obviously creating something that you can drink and enjoy. And they're chatting to I think you what's, it's just yeah, great. What's special about that is that because our machines and our equipment is right there you're seeing it all happen whereas I think if you go to you know a regular coffee shop you know the machines are way over there you're not really seeing what's going on Mm. and then they're not inclined to ask those questions yeah yeah Yeah. and we use we use scales and we use timers for quality control and things like that and I think for a lot of people that's the first time they've ever seen them so it creates this sort of conversational piece to you know, sort of demonstrate that there's, you know, there's a lot of effort that goes into this. And that's why you're going to taste the difference when you have one of our coffees. And we're happy to talk to you about what it is that we're up to. (laughs) I think that's the main thing is that we, like, people are always, they maybe had a drink or two, so they're like apologizing because they're like talking to us loads. We're having the time of our lives. Like we love being able to tell people, especially if they know nothing about it, you know, all about it, um, let them taste things they've never tried. I think that's what makes the experience a little bit more unique. Yeah. I mean, some weddings that we have, it it depends how much you're into coffee. And obviously we, we get booked a lot for the sort of coffee hardcore fans. We've even had, you know, couples come behind and pour their own latte art. <laughs> we've had latte art throwdowns. We've had barista classes. And what's really cool is like, if you've ever been a barista, then you get to 
you know, experience that as well. And then if you can do latte art, then of course we're going to let you <laughs> pour your own coffee. Um, and we've had grooms, we've had brides, we've had guests, uh, we've had competitions. It's some of those weddings have just been, that's why we do it yeah. because we love coffee so much. We love the craft. We love what we do. And if you're into it as much as we're into it, then that's amazing. Yeah. Do, that's you, do you let them use the magic wand? Oh yeah. Oh my God. We've been hassled a few times by really steaming grooms who have said, oh, can I pour a coffee? And then they're like better at latte art than the pair of us. Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. And it always makes for really good, you know, for your photographers or your videographers, that's some, you know, special memories that you can capture yeah. that will help you create. Yeah. So obviously, like, being a coffee bar is sort of, it's a luxury item for when you're, when you're planning your wedding it's probably not on yeah. everybody's list of what they need to get. And I suppose wedding films is kind of similar. Like a lot of people are. I still think wed I think everything to do with a wedding isn't essential. Yeah. You know, you yeah. need a piece of paper to sign. But like uh, the majority of people yeah. maybe it's, don't it's think of these days. It's entirely down to the couple and the, the individuals getting married and their personality and their, you know, they can inject um, that kind of individual element to their wedding. Mm. And so rather than having to take a wedding and everything that comes with it in terms of like a wedding package from a hotel or, or something, these days folk are actually handpicking the things that, that they want. Um, you know, for us, it was important to have coffee. And I think we thought it's not a stretch to think other people would be the same. Mm -hmm. um, and that's been the case. Yeah, I suppose what Greg's getting at is the fact that it's, n it's not, you know, like when you imagine the list of what, couples actually get mm -hmm. the top three yeah. are probably dress venue and photographer probably you'd be surprised occasionally <laughs> well, we've been we've been provisionally booked before they even have a venue a venue oh. yeah. it's quite a spectrum that we have of the couples that inquire with us mm -hmm. because sometimes they see us and they just know instantly that this is something that they have to have and people wouldn't expect anything less of them at their own wedding. And so we're a top priority. Other people would be like, oh gosh, we'd love to have that, but we need to just wait and see what the budget is. Mm -hmm. And we'll always provisionally book them in and say, eh, you know, let us know near the time if this is an option that you still want to go for. Yeah. Um, and quite often, you know, we'll be bought as a present for someone's wedding like the mother of the bride will buy us and that will be her contribution to the wedding mm -hmm. for example and that's happened quite a lot of the time occasionally we've been a surprise as well that the couple didn't even know we were coming right. and so that's there's cool. a sort of reveal element about it or the bride might know but the groom doesn't know and so yeah. it's quite exciting to be involved in that sort of uh, set up mm. i think um, you've raised another point though that i think that it's still so different and new that people more often than not they still have to see us and i think that's why it's important that we do like wedding fairs and things like that yeah yes. um, you know there are people that are obviously looking for coffee bars online and they're finding us mm. but i still think more often than not it's either word of mouth or they're seeing us at a wedding or they're seeing us at a wedding fair and that's their first kind of oh wait a minute this is something i can have yeah. Mm. So unless you knew it existed, you wouldn't know to try and find it. Yeah, and that's the thing. I, I, I was going to say the wedding industry can be quite slow moving, hence why... Well, it's it, currently stopped at the moment. <laughs> well, I, 
<laughs> yes, that's very true. I mean, in general, there's obviously trends that happen throughout the years and stuff, but mm-hmm. I guess the slow-moving aspect comes from the fact that you're having to deal with your parents' expectations of what a wedding should be, you know, wedding traditions, all these sorts of elements. So um, when there is something new, it can be... Um, one, it can be quite a nice surprise for the couple, especially if they're getting it as a gift and they don't know what's coming. Mm-hmm. But um, what what has it felt like being an item that people might not know about? Like, is that is that hard on the bookings, do you think? Or? It's interesting when you say about trends because one trend that we've noticed that's happening is wedding brunches. And if you're if you booked out a venue for a weekend... What's happening quite often now is that they'll have the ceremony, they'll have the evening reception. Most of the guests will stay there or thereabouts. Mm-hmm. And the next day, they'll all come back together, back to the venue and host like a, a brunch in the sort of like late morning afternoon. Uh-huh. And obviously, we can bring coffees and pastries for that. And so in terms of trends, we're, we're getting a lot of Sunday afternoon bookings, whereas before it was Friday and Saturday nights. <laughs> um, yeah. And I think there might not have been the option to do that had we not have existed unless you were going for a whole package deal sort of thing. Yeah. And that's quite exciting to be involved in this sort of new element to your wedding. Mm. I mean, it's, all the weddings we've done and we work with such amazing catering companies that produce some of the best food, but they can't offer what we're doing with coffees because it would be a whole other part of their business. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, we get recommended quite often through other um, catering companies or other, um, you know, florists or photographers that we have worked with or um, celebrants who are finding out about the couple and the couple are saying, oh, coffee's just our life we'll get a recommendation through that. Ah, cool. um, and that's been pretty amazing yeah. to to see that happen as well. I remember that maybe yeah. being one of the concerns starting up with this. It was like, how will venues or caterers feel? Mm-hmm. Will they feel that you're stepping on their toes? Has there been any conflict like that? I, I'm not going to name names, but when we were getting married ourselves and we were shopping around for venues... The first venue we looked into for ourselves flat out refused to have it. Right. And that wasn't us saying we wanted to do it as a business. That was us saying we are getting married. We want this at our wedding. And they still said no. <laughs> so I think what's Certainly interesting the- though is that same van- ve- venue are so obviously a very popular venue and they've since been requested to have us so many times that they have started saying yes. And they now invite us to their wedding open days. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but then to be fair, They've discovered that they sold more alcohol when we were there because people weren't being too drunk by 8pm. So ah. I think it was only really in practice that venues could see how it would work. Yeah. And I can understand if they provide everything that they would see outside catering and stepping on their toes, but no one is offering what we're doing. Mm. Uh, way back in the beginning, we would used to say to the couple's please can you check with your venue before we go ahead with the booking because we don't want to take any money and then they turn around and say no. And now, obviously, we've we've been to so many venues now that it's unlikely that we'll, we won't have encountered that venue at some point or they won't already know about us. Um, but there is an element of if you're going for a, a package wedding that 
yeah, sometimes venues might not allow outside catering and do we fall under that? Some of them say yes and some of them say no. Yeah, um, quite a few times um, couples have been between one or two venues and have gone with a venue that have agreed to have us, which is really nice. <laughs> I just, I feel like if a couple's like, they love coffee enough to be booking you guys, it's maybe a bit of an assumption, but I feel like they're going to be slight foodies as well and they'll also be yeah, booking definitely. a really good and accommodating caterer as well mm-hmm. mm. i think so i think that's why we've got really nice relationships with some of the best kind of caterers in oh. scotland because we're both doing the same thing and we work together so often uh mm. yeah. we kind of complement each other really anything that we're not stopping in it stepping in those yeah yeah who, what? who are your favorite oh sorry i was just gonna ask who, who your favorite catering companies are to work with I think the early, early doors doing weddings, we we um, we worked a lot with the pantry and okay. with bespoke. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think just in terms of what I was saying, in terms of the kinds of approach to food um, and the the care over the the product and the service, I think we share those similar values. Mm. Very cool. Yeah. So what what's your sort of general setup for the bar? Is there anything that you need from a venue do you need to rely on other people for like the water obviously we're getting back to the geeky water stuff now (laughs) the the only thing that we need to operate is two plug sockets and a tap and if you don't have a tap then there is a way for us to bring water as well so really (laughs) we just need some power from the venue and also if the venue doesn't have power we can also get a generator so it's we don't need anything. We don't really need anything. <laughs> yeah. We would prefer. We prefer a plug in the tap. But if that's yeah. not possible, then we can still go ahead. I, I have mean, uh, vivid memories of a wedding collective fair, which was, it was being held in the ironworks in Mary Hill. And I remember yeah. you having an awful time trying to find a water supply. <laughs> um, to go at the pub. Oh my God. I... I had to and it wasn't for that particularly day. nearby. No, it wasn't. The venue was partially still under construction, and so the water pressure that they had in the toilets <laughs> or just in the kitchen area was so like low pressure. Yeah. And we generally fill up about fifteen to twenty liters worth of water to try and see us through an event. Um, you can imagine how long We're that would have taken. Down Hill Road. And so, yeah, we ended up taking our tanks down to the pub at the end of the road uh, yeah. to fill up. Was, but was since it? then, they have fully renovated and we have done a <laughs> wedding there and it was absolutely yeah. grand. Yes, you know, it, it really was like half to half built. Um, but uh, We've yeah, had so it's... many wild setup times because, I mean, the amount of times that we turn up and someone hasn't appreciated that we actually have a bar and so having us going up three flights of stairs isn't the best yeah. We've done it though. We can do it every hour. We've done everything. Yeah, you guys have got strong muscles. Yeah. yeah. There's not very many situations where we turn up to a venue now that we haven't had to deal with before. Yeah. And obviously the more times we go back to a venue, the the easier it is. But there's always an element when we rock up to a venue for the first time, we're like, what's going to happen? Well, I think because the trends are that pe- people are doing all sorts of you know, interesting, unique ideas, and really, they have an, a sense that oh, I can come up with something really cool for my wedding. People are getting slightly outlandish with 
uh, you know, some of the plans and saying, listen, we want you guys set up next to the lock, which is like miles away from any power or, you know, the road. Uh, are you okay with that? And it's kind of like, <laughs> not really. If you told us before, maybe. <laughs> um, but yeah, the outside ones are, are interesting. Yeah. There's We'd a, rather there's not be a- outside in Scotland. <laughs> well, I was going to say, uh, there are a few other um, outside uh, coffee carts now um, that have come about. I'm trying to remember what the name is. It's not Fever. Well, anyway, anyway, when yeah, we started, I- there was quite a few like kind of bars serving from out of a van type. Mm-hmm. Uh, a horse cart, a yeah. horse boxes and yeah. things like that. Oh, yeah. they, they've existed for much longer. Yeah. And I think, but our whole idea was... We don't want to send your guests outside. <laughs> we want to be the indoor coffee bar, really. Yes, yeah. and uh, I'm really glad. If we're inside, then people use us more, um, oh, and that seems to to be the case. Uh-huh. Plus, yeah. that model is translatable. Like that's like that's the reason we've started doing corporate work because you're not going to send clients outside. You're not going to, you know, the fact that we can set up inside mm-hmm. offices and. You know, whatever. Yeah. Is it something brewed that does your corporate work? Or is it maize? Uh, it depends. Um, generally, we do all events as something brewed. Okay. Um, but because there's quite a few, like, kind of vegan-specific markets and, and cake-type opportunities to promote our bakery. Uh-huh. Um, so we use the maize name for that just to promote it. Yeah, yeah. makes sense. Oh, that's cool. Um, so in general, like, so you've got two businesses, do you guys split off and run individual businesses? Because sometimes I popped into Maze on a Monday and I can see Jill at a table just doing the, uh, the notes. Um, do you, Jill, do you manage the Maze stuff and, and Craig manages the something brewed or uh, how does that work? Yeah. Well, because we've been doing this for over five years now together, having a husband wife team it was always designed so that we could work together and as the events business grew and as the shop started growing and the bakery and all that we realized that both of us couldn't do all of it we Mm -hmm. had to strategize and you know focus on things that we knew how to handle best and so was it just last year that we decided from a sort of functional point of view that Craig would sort of deal with all the something brewed inquiries um, and emails and bookings and invoices and things. um, And that I would sort of run maze from a kind of operational point of view of Mm -hmm. coordinating the cakes and things that we need for the events. So we do still work together, but we, we like to focus on, I'll focus on the, the shop and the bakery and Craig will focus on the events. And that just means that we don't miss anything mm-hmm. rather than us both trying to do both. And I think that's where we're best placed and that's what we enjoy doing the most. I'll still work at all the events, but Craig will have less to do with the day-to-day running of the shop and more to do with the um, development of the events business. Mm-hmm. Although I was saying that I have seen Craig behind the behind the maze bar. Oh yeah, I still really like working in the shop as well. <laughs> but it's it's only really trying to keep up with something brood work is the reason I'm not. Yeah, well, that's cool. Do you guys are you guys good to work together? Like like what's your work life balance? 
I think we like doing the actual like serving part together. Mm-hmm. I think like any couple, there's two ways to skin a cat, and sometimes you can't agree. That's not very so, vegan friendly. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, so just from the point of view of like operationally, we can kind of run the the companies separately in mm-hmm. the way that we want to. Mm-hmm. And, and we use each other as staff, I guess, for each company. That's very cool. But dynamic wise, um, it's certainly been a, a learning curve. Mm. Um, I'm not going to pretend for a second we've been absolutely perfect since day one. I would say, you know, we've we've learned the, about the best of each other and we've now got to the point where we can get the best out of each other mm-hmm. in terms of working together. I'm, I'm still trying yeah. to get the best out of Simon. I don't think I'd have it any other way. Like, I, don't I don't think I, guess I would we can't trust anyone else. Ourselves against any other married couple, but I feel like we know more about each other than we would having been married for about forty years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So you you broke up there, Greg. What did you say? I said I'm still trying to get the best out of you. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we were discussing this in the last podcast with Joni that uh, it's kind of like we are married, uh, being in a business yeah. for this many years. So. Yeah. So you, so obviously you guys don't handle the businesses together. You've got your own separate roles. Do you need to have software? Do, like, do you ever like use software so you're checking each other's work? Or like what software for CRM do you use? Like all that kind of stuff. Um, we, we try to do the CRM task management thing, but actually... If you don't use it, it doesn't work. And we just didn't use it to the best of its <laughs> that's, ability. That's true. And so um, we try and sort of carve out time in the week to sit down and have a sort of meeting together and catch up on what's going on and what's coming up and what do we need for this and what do we need for that. Um, that is the answer. Yeah. There's no software. We have face-to-face Contact. Yeah, meetings. Oh, and we try classics. not just do it in the house. We try and like go to another coffee shop and have a meeting separately and try and, you know, cut it away from, you know, just normal home life as well, which is obviously mm-hmm. helpful. Because I think in the beginning, we're, it was just, it would just never end. We were just always thinking about it. We had nothing else to talk to each other about because you're trying to grow a business and you're trying to troubleshoot. And I don't know if there is any other way to do it, but now that everything's settled down and we're sort of functioning quite effectively, we try and split our personal life into business quite well. Mm-hmm. I think that's been our, our primary endeavor since the businesses have been doing quite well or they've been functioning is to kind of then try and find that balance with our life. Cause you know, we've essentially been married and doing this as long as this, you know, the same amount of time. Yeah. So um, we're just always trying to get that balance right. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's weird talking about it right now when the balance has been tipped and we're spending every single day just hanging out and having a great time. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's been heavy personally. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, is that, is that all right? Like, do you, do you, like some couples need to work to, uh, to survive with each other. Are you guys generally all right with each other? Yeah. Yeah. I remember that your wife, Lindsay, she came into the shop like on the one of the last few days before we closed down for the lockdown. Yeah. And she was just like, 
oh, I hope we don't have to go on lockdown and I have to spend all day with Simon. Yeah. <laughs> Why does no one want to spend time with me? <laughs> I think we benefit from like, well, obviously enjoying each other's company, mm. um, but like having lots of stuff we enjoy doing together and then lots of our own individual hobbies and yeah. things that we want to kind of get done. I've been pretty much throwing myself 100% into music since I've got the opportunity to do that. Oh, really? Um, yeah. I like remember. Jill said, we've been furloughed, so we can't really work. Huh? Um, yeah. And so I've got a kind of studio set up in our bedroom and I've been recording since day one. Mm-hmm. Um, Jill was really keen to get a lot of the DIY done and is far more talented at that than, my, than I. So it's been good. Again, I'm kind of hazy. Did Jill not record some of your music beforehand? Um, no, hang on. Did she not record some not of really. yours and mid-recording fall asleep? That's true. That's a true story. <laughs> <laughs> I, come on. I'm sorry, that just popped into my mind there. <laughs> to be fair, on Jill, and I guess I'm trying to make it sound like I'm not making bore music here, uh, but we were recording all the, the acoustic guitar by itself for ages. There was no singing. And I think eventually it all just started to blend into each other. Oh. And we were in your grand's bedroom because she has yes. this incredible 70s setup where it's like, you know, texture wallpaper and like a massive carpet and just there was like two beds in it. So the acoustics in the room were just perfect for uh, recording. And sleeping. And so I was just lying in bed doing all the recording while Craig was playing and uh, one thing led to the other and yeah. But I've been taking this opportunity to learn a bit more about the the sound technology stuff. Um, Oh, yeah. Well, just because I've wanted to achieve something, I wanted to have these these recordings myself, so Mm -hmm. I can kind of take a bit of this time to learn a bit more. That's very cool. Can people check out any of your music? Do you have a a place to go? Actually, so I was all set to release a kind of like solo album uh, on the 30th of April. Mm. which I ended up just putting online after we'd been locked down for a couple of weeks. So I play under the moniker King Rib. So if you go on Spotify or Apple Music or any of these things, you can stream the album. Kind Rib. King. King definitely. Rib. King. King Rib. Sorry. Yeah. Like the supper. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. King Rib. Cool. And I've got a band as well called Cutty's Gym. Yeah. But you haven't released really anything for a while, right? It was like last year. Uh, no, we've been, we, we were writing an album until we get told we couldn't. Ah, well, that's exciting. I mean. Yeah, we'll so there's working. a lot of stuff on the go. Yeah. Ah, very cool, very cool. Well, uh, definitely check those out, listeners. The show notes will all be down there, obviously. One thing I always like to ask in sort of wrapping up is if you've got any book recommendations, business-wise or other... I've been reading like a fiend as well, actually. I've read about 10 books since I've been locked down. Wow. Whoa. Uh, Holy and shit. they vary between kind of like history and science and fiction. Is this, uh, uh, is this real reading or is this like reading with your ears? Oh, uh, books. Cool. I just tend to, I pick up secondhand books if I see things that I like. I end up with a pile that's more than I could ever read. But <laughs> means right now I've kind of got a small bookshop I can help myself to. <laughs> Is there any that have stood out that you would recommend people check I'm out? I'm actually struggling to think of what any of them are. There's obviously been too many. <laughs> uh, I can recommend a coffee book if anyone ooh. is interested in further reading on what we were talking about earlier on. 
there's a, a James Hoffman book called The World Coffee Atlas, and it's really great at sort of fleshing out a lot of the things that make coffee good. It might tell you a lot of things you never knew before, but one of the most exciting things about it is it has, um, it breaks down coffee by country. And what you might not realize is that each country obviously has its own climate, its own altitude, and all these things can affect um, the flavor of the coffee and obviously the types of coffee that they grow there. And it sort of helps break down what kind of characteristics you might find if you were going for an African coffee compared to a Central American coffee. And for me, that was a book that really sort of sparked my interest and specialty and learning more about the differences and the nuances as much as you do, like you said about whiskey earlier on. Um, it sort of helps to highlight similar things and from the coffee realm yeah very cool and stay tuned for jill's uh zoom lessons yeah as mm. soon as they are sort of launched we'll share them on our socials and we'll get them in the show notes for this when it's up as well, well if you just if you go if you go onto the something brewed instagram um i've posted about it on the maze instagram i'll do it again on the something brewed if you're interested just send me a message and i can set up like a private link or i'm just going to give it another minute and see if anyone how many people are interested we can maybe do a collective class together um but just let me know if you're interested and we can set up awesome well can you tell everyone where they can find you online yes we have the something brood is at something brood b-r-e-w-e-d um on instagram on facebook and the website is somethingbrewed.co.uk. Um, obviously, spoke about maize as well. It's closed at the moment, unfortunately. We'll be open as soon as we get some government guidance about a safe way of going around reopening. But we're furloughed at the moment, so we're just kind of staying safe and staying inside. Um, it's maize, M-A-Y-Z-E underscore Finiston on Instagram and the same on Facebook as well. Um, and the website, you can buy gift cards, pre-order coffees, pre-order cakes. At the moment, through our online shop is mayze.co.uk. And the online shop's currently open. We should reiterate, we're not baking cakes right now. <laughs> um, we keep getting orders. Keep ordering, oh, no. keep having to refund them. Oh, really? Well. <laughs> so I've made it more obvious on the website, but it's sort of like to help get some money in the business while we're closed. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And when the shop is back open, if you're in Glasgow, go in and try the haggis toasty, the vegan haggis toasty. <laughs> oh, it's incredible. Mm. Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah. I actually miss it because we don't have the amazing bread or anything in the house. We can't really recreate it, unfortunately. Oh. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, yeah thanks for coming on it's been good chatting yes thank you very thanks much. for, having, thanks for us. having us and uh greg where can people find us online you can find us at cinemate films on all the socials as normal and the website cinematefilms.co.uk awesome yes do get in touch if you have any well if you have anything to say to us get in touch um greg do we have a review shout out yes we do give me a split second till i find it <laughs> I love putting Greg on the spot here. Usually we let our guests um, toddle off to wherever they're going, but uh, the guys have just kept you here just for shits and giggles. 
Uh, where's so the one that off script. Where's the one that I was going to do? While Greg finds that review shout out, Joe, I just want to say that um, wedding fair that we got you to do all those years ago. Mm-hmm. I still remember that Ethiopian coffee that you brewed. Mm. Uh, it nearly changed my life to be honest i was never into coffee as 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 i am now um until i had that coffee Mm. um and it's still it's still my favorite type of bean to get an ethiopian Mm -hmm. i just i had a similar experience oh did you well tell us tell us your experience i think i can't remember where i tried an ethiopian coffee for the first time but that was when it may have been haven't you um i'd I, I was actually thinking this when you asked earlier, the first kind of specialty coffee I had in Glasgow was from Artisan Roast. Yeah. Um, and I was recommended from someone. I think I had a friend who'd been to Australia and tried really nice coffees there. And the only place he could get what he liked was at Artisan Roast. Mm-hmm. So I used to go there for flat whites. And then when Avenue opened, they were doing the same sort of thing. And someone convinced me to try a filter coffee even though I wasn't interested because there was like taste notes of tomato and stuff. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I ended up trying this Ethiopian coffee and couldn't believe that it was coffee. Mm. Um, and as a non-alcohol drinker, it kind of opened up a world of something to kind of get quite interested and excited about. Yeah. It's, um, it's quite an interesting experience when you, when you, when you, when you have that moment. Yeah. I think my um, moment is, it was, a. Uh, subscription so i'd already been into coffee and i got a subscription from i don't know it was a bunch of scandinavian coffees that they sent out forgot it now but one of them just had a massive punch of apple and i was like whoa i can't remember what what it was now or where it was from but that's my coffee moment (laughs) and i like the fact that it's still a kind of personal preference like me and joe like opposite tastes when it comes to coffee yeah Oh, really? Um, I tend towards the Ethiopian coffees, or I say that, uh, you know, the kind of more kind of berry f- fruits, mm-hmm. where Jill likes the really kind of citrusy flavors. Yeah. Anyway, Greg, we've did found, you find I that found review the review. Show? Yes, I found it. All right. So today's review comes from Reptilian Mind, and it says If you're a wedding creative, you need to be listening to this, whether it's the amazing guest list or the interesting insights. There's something for any wedding creative in this podcast. Each episode is super interesting and genuinely helpful for running a business or improving your craft. Keep up the good work, guys. So massive thanks to Reptilian Mind for taking the time to leave that review. Yes, indeed. Thank you very much. Uh, We hope you enjoyed this episode, and if you did, hit that subscribe button so you know when the next episode goes online. Please leave a review, just like Reptilian Mind did. That is a massive help in order for us to grow this podcast. But if you don't want to do that, that's totally cool. If you just want to tell a friend about us, get someone else listening, we'd very much appreciate that. However, until next time, enjoy your life.